FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello and welcome back to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast. Wednesday, the 2nd of June, in what could be the hottest day of the year in London town. Um, we have, of course, Kerry Deal and Thea joining me again. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. Morning, guys. Hey, guys. So let's uh, plough into the news and see what we've had the last week since our last podcast before going into our indexes and a little more in-depth into our main markets. So what have we seen this week in the news? Well, Shell was ordered by Dutch court to reduce its carbon emissions by 45% by 2030 from 2016 levels. Switzerland said it was walking away from years of negotiation with the EU over a new deal to harmonise many bilateral deals. China was angry at US calls for more investigation into the origin of coronavirus in Wuhan. Yesterday was the launch of the new SGX Shanghai rebar contract. Uh, Brazil's GDP growth sprung back to pre-virus levels. Uh, The UK recorded zero deaths from COVID-19 yesterday for the first time in over a year that's happened. And EU negotiators have agreed rules to force large multinational companies to disclose publicly where their book profits and pay tax in the block as part of Europe's drive to clamp down on corporation tax avoidance. Uh, But let's go into our indexes movements. We've actually had some movement in the oil and uh, fuel oil markets this week to report rather than very flat things. So let's look at Brent 68.52, closing 70.24 last night, according to FIS figures. That's Tuesday 25th versus Tuesday the 1st of June, Uh, up 2.5%. On the high sulfur fuel oils, up 4.26%. On the ROT, 3.5%, Sing 380, closing 3.8765 last night, up 5%. 4%. The Sing uh, 0.5 and the Rock 0.5 both also up decent levels. Uh, Rock 0.5 up 3.6%, 4.8398. And Sing 0.5 has broken through that $500 barrier again. 504.23 closing up 4.75% week on week. And those high fives, very slow climb, still continues on. Uh, the Rock High Five, that's the difference between the very low sulfur fuel oil and the high sulfur fuel oil. Uh, 107 closing, Rostam up 0.9%, and the Sing High Five up 2.6%, closing 117. Theo, what have we seen on the uh, iron ore index? Um, the iron ore market, uh, another roller coaster again this week. Um, Platts yesterday settled at uh, 209.10, up $17.45 from week on week, which is a 9.11% increase. The uh, fast market, 65%. I settled yesterday at $239.90, up $11.10, which is 4.85% week on week. And the 65 versus plat 62 spread is down actually at $30.80, uh, down $6.35, which is 17.09%. And to round it off uh, for the other products, Kerry Freight, how are we seeing? Well, the Cape size continuing its downward movement with uh, the 5TC average at $25,032 yesterday. That's down $6,022.19.4%. Panamax much, much flatter at $23,876. That is down $73 or 0.3% effectively flat. And to finish off the tankers, TC2 up 6.8%, 135.56, closing TC5 down 4%. 93.93. 
uh, down from 97, 86. Uh, T3C, the VL is down 4%, still not managing to break through that 40 uh, level, down from 37.08 to 35.59. And the TD25, 1% up, 75.42, closing to 76 quarter last night. We're going into a kind of bit more of what's happening in those markets. Another roller coaster week, you said, Theo. Well, what are we actually seeing a bit more in depth on those iron ore markets? Yeah, we're back up again on the index, uh, as I said before, um, above $200. Uh, we saw the front end contracts down close to 170 at the start of last, uh, middle last week, actually. And uh, yesterday we were back up over 200. Um, the Chinese futures have been rallying once again. There were hopes that um, there was a draft plan released on Monday by Chinese policymakers to ease steel output restrictions in the uh, Tanchang steelmaking hub. Uh, even though this uh, draft was recalled on Tuesday, this uh, intent this affected the uh, market and uh, boosted iron ore futures prices. As we said last week, China's policy intervention continues to drive price volatility in iron ore and other commodity markets. So fundamentally, any statements on steel capacity reforms or restrictions should be negative for the iron ore prices, but retail investors are still tracking and trading steel prices and steel margins, as we've been saying the last few weeks. So this has caused another speculative rally on iron ore, and it's reclaimed all, almost all of its losses from early in the week. As I said, it, was, it looked like it was pretty much oversold at 170, and it was represented a buy opportunity. It seemed like they all ploughed in. So this tells us, despite all these recent government statements, retail investors are still able to smash it about on BC and the uh, Shanghai Futures ex Exchange. And personally, I expect fundamentals to turn a bit this week as iron ore arrivals are slow and high blast furnace utilization should drive a rebound in daily offtakes from the local ports. I think in the short term, again, Chinese steel markets play and the speculative reactions to government announcements We'll still see will still be the major drivers for the short term in the iron ore price and direction and momentum. In the medium term, I'd say the target range is around 180-200, although I expect a larger volume of iron ore to arrive in uh, China in July. I mean, steel margins have come off. Um, HRC margins are estimated to be to drop to about of a range of about 300-500 RMB per metric ton, while rebar margins are expected to fall close to zero. So it's uh, quite an interesting time again in the iron ore market. When, when those margins fall close to zero, that's when we start to sort of perk up and look for those mills to slow down buying. I mean, generally in our experience, uh, and I think you'll agree with me here, Theo, it's been sort of when the market hits about negative 100, negative 200 on those rebar margins is when we, we have a danger zone for, for a bit of a slowdown in, in purchasing, wouldn't you say? So it's worth watching where those margins go very, very closely. Absolutely. I mean, we've been speaking here for the last you know, few weeks now. And steel margins are the key to, to uh, understanding the direction of this market. Uh, steel, margins have, steel margins have come off. Um, if they do start to continue to fall, then we will see a slowdown output. Definitely. Yeah. So, as we saw today, I mean, we shot back up again, close to 200 in the uh, uh, June-July contract. So... With that in mind, it seems like an output's still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that being said, we did get that period where we did have negative margins for, for a short while and the market just went, shrugged its shoulders and then flew back up again. So, but definitely something to keep an eye on. We will continue to uh, be providing in-depth from in-depth insight from from that from Theo and uh, and obviously Kerry as well. So 
anyone listening can continue to listen to the podcast to make sure that they know exactly where those margins are and what's happening. And, uh, and but next on. week, I think it's just worth noting, Chris, that we will be doing yes. an hour special as well. Um, well, let's hope that we have loads of, of activity and changes and exactly, can quiz yeah. our special with, guest. Yeah, with a special guest joining us. So, yeah, very much so. Uh, but we did mention in terms of moving on to another product, oil and uh, kind of fuel oils, those uh, other products that come out of the barrel. Um, actually a bit more activity in the week. We had a very flat week index to index uh, from the previous podcast, uh, although you did get a bit of movement in between those, a fall off at the end of the week. Uh, but this week seems to have uh, been a slightly different. We had a, if you kind of track those levels across most of the week, we did have a a general increase across it. And we have finally broken that $70 level uh, for Brent after teasing for multiple weeks and then dropping down closer to 60 again. We have finally broken through that level again. Seen a steady rise in fuel prices across the week as a result of that crude price increasing as well. Um, and a lot of that is basis previously um, that, that we had all the, that chatter about the Iran deal coming in. That That's still continuing to be negotiated between the US and Iran. So we've not had anything official from that. So people are still umming and ahhing. Is this going to be a problem? Is this going to bring a load of new supply on? And will the world economy have recovered enough to be able to absorb that? Or is it going to something which is just going to flush price down again? With respect to that, OPEC group is expected to confirm next week uh, its May to July plan to ease oil production. Um, cuts by a planned 840,000 barrels per day uh, for the July period. And that's what um, was said to kind of Bloomberg News on Thursday last week. The, the OPEC ministers um, are meeting on Tuesday, the 1st of June. So they did that. And at present, no surprises are expected from what they're going to be announcing. It looks like they're going to just go along with their continuing plan, which should hopefully, they believe, keep things balanced as we one world demand increases and that they need to increase supply and that they don't they are actually allowing a lot of their members to increase supply um you know we've already had those arguments previously that we outlined russia's very keen to increase um you have saudi arabia with their voluntary cuts and everything that's been happening with that and of course the iran deal if that does suddenly happen in the next couple of months what sort of impact that will have on supply demand uh, metrics uh, but we did also see in terms of the meeting of the technical analysts from the producer countries that it was determined that uh, oil stockpiles, stockpiles by the end of next month will be below average for the 2015-2019 uh, period, uh, priming away for much higher output. So it does seem that they are confident that their plan going forward, one will not knock prices too much and that there is the, that demand coming back ready to do it. So in terms of the fuel oil uh, market, we have seen that continuing strength for the 0.5%. We did note last week that those FOGOs did strengthen and pull up prices relative to, to gas oil. Uh, we have continued to see that, but to even greater extent this week. So last week we had a close uh, on the rot 92, minus 92 and a half, minus 73 and a half on the sink. Uh, the difference discount from gas oil to the 0.5% fuel oil prices. Uh, but now we're at minus 89 and a half and minus 61 quarter. So significant rise up since last week that we've had. And we have also seen a strengthening in the high sulfur fuel oil crack. Um, that's a kind of margining rate for 
producing fuel oil out of a barrel of oil. It's usually a negative number because it's a cost to the producer, but it comes out of a yeah. barrel anyway. Um, but that was minus 11.65 at the time of the last podcast, and it's now minus 10.60. So in effect, you know, almost complete dollar change there. Uh, and you, know, you get a five times effect of that uh, on prices of fuel oil. So a significant move up from that. And you can see that generally in what we've reported in our indexes, that the high five has slightly increased on the same, but that's relative in terms of things between those two fuels. But in terms of the prices that we've seen relative to Brent, you've seen a continued increase that we uh, did see uh, from from last week as well, but to an even greater extent. So it does seem that with a lot of the world economy coming back on, a lot of the shipping, a lot of those, well, we've talked about it, Kerry, haven't we? Those great rates on on uh, the, the freight side of well, things. exactly, yeah. The demand for, for iron ore and or into into China and the commodity boom that actually that this is starting to develop quite a um, significant demand for uh, 0.5% fuel and of fuel to a lesser extent, um, less used. But if you also look at our, our partner Integrate uh, with their engine platform stuff that um, we now can see their physical prices on our app, FIS Live, and you can sign up there at www.freightvestservices.com forward slash FIS hyphen live if you'd like to see those to sign up. Uh, and they are also seeing in terms of the physical side uh, an increasing demand for the 0.5% fuel. So this is not something which is just um, on the futures market, but something which is also coming into the physical side. Pay on the spot as well. And that high five spread has just been on a long, steady, continuous sort of widening for uh for gosh a couple of months now hasn't it well it feels like a completely different lifetime when that was down at 40, <laughs> I know, I 40 know, something it does, it? Uh, hard to remember those good old days um but yeah um that that spread do we expect that to continue to widen against all these trends because it doesn't seem like any of this is going to change soon no i i think that the market still sees that that's going to widen i mean if yeah. you look at the futures market look at it going forward that's going to increase by another 20 bucks at least. Yeah. Um, and if you're seeing what we're seeing in the physical, we're definitely increase in terms of that 0.5% relative to the high sulfur fuel oil. And if you season, seasonally look at what, what that high sulfur fuel oil crack is compared to where we saw those incredible levels last year, then yes, you would, you would expect to see that increase in the spread, although slowly as the high sulfur fuel oil kind of diminishes, but the 0.5% really does see that demand. So the only thing is it's going to, stop that is some sort of uh, bringing on of a large supply of 0.5% refining or yeah. we see something catastrophic happen in the shipping market, which means that actually the 0.5%, which is a marine fuel rather than the high sulfur fuel, which can actually be, uh, we saw that last summer, uh, a really big demand for power production like Saudi Arabia because yeah. there were the people staying so, yes. they were using that for all their aircon. So unless you see a situation similar to that, it does seem that this is going to continue to widen uh, to the benefit of those people who uh, installed scrubbers. Finally, they see payback. Exactly, exactly. I think they'll be uh, they'll be relieved at that, to say the least. Cool. But moving on to freight, talking of shipping, uh, Kerry, what have we seen there? Well, the Cape size market saw another roller coaster week on the paper, despite fairly consistent losses uh, on the physical index, which shed nearly another 20% in value during the past week. It's fair to say that the correction now on the big ships in the past month has been larger than I think most of us had probably expected, given the fundamentals. This has been driven by a number of factors, including a substantial slowdown in inquiry from Brazil, just at a time when the list of balusters heading that way was quite long. And I think far less of an effect on the market 
from those Indian port quarantine restrictions than had been feared uh, when they were introduced in terms of creating delays um, for discharging um, uh, in India so and loading in India. So there was some hope in the Pacific Basin yesterday with Australian majors being linked to numbers in excess of 11 bucks per metric ton on the C5, that's the West Aussie China route. Uh, the C3 Brazil China market continues to be a two-tier market, though, with uh, something in the region of $23 being fixed last night for a prompter June loading dates against that long list of balusters, but bids in excess of $24 for dates further out. Uh, the North Atlantic market remains completely in the doldrums, uh, and the principal reason for the very large jump on the paper yesterday was actually that shift in sentiment due to the spike up on the iron ore futures. Uh, with the July Cape 5TC average having moved up to a high of 35,850 yesterday, it found some resistance just at the level of that 20 period Bollinger midpoint uh, and has re retreated a touch today to 34,250 value with the Q4 trading 28,875 value this morning. The Panamaxis saw far less movement on the physical during the week with the Atlantic front hall market once again creating most of the support. Rumors of a modern Camsar Max fixing 34K passing jib for a North Coast South America front haul helped sentiment there quite a bit. Uh, grains have been supporting that market clearly with some limited cargoes coming out from U.S. Gulf and Black Sea. Uh, while the East Coast South America inquiry has continued to be a little bit lackluster, in the East things have been very, very steady in the past week to actually a touch weaker with that P3A hovering in the region of 25,000 for days now. Uh, July paper got a boost from the Capes jumping up yesterday, uh, and it closed just under 26K on the 4TC average yesterday, that Q4 closing at 21,725. So again, all the movement really concentrated on the big ships in the past week. Now we were talking about iron ore and the, well, incredible strength that we've had. and. To a, extent, to a certain extent, Kerry, do you think that's going to be sustaining the, the larger ship sizes for, for the foreseeable future? I think that the sentiment tends to affect the sentiment on the larger ships. Um, you know, if we're talking about fundamentals, look, um, the cost FOB at the dock for these miners is so low compared to where the price is now. You know, for Vale, it's probably something in the region of 20, 25 bucks a ton at the dock. You know, so um, so quite frankly, um, anything above you know a hundred bucks a ton should sustain this market in terms of encouraging more production uh, because they're making so much money off the back of it. Uh, same with the Australian majors, but um, you know, I think what we're seeing here is actually just a swing driven by the iron ore futures spiking. Um, and what's funny is that that correlation shouldn't be so direct that the capes just jump when the iron ore jumps, for example. Uh, but yet, you know, such is the nature of sentiment. Um, you know, you have retail investors in China, spike the iron ore up, um, and, and suddenly you have, you know, a, a corresponding rise driven in the cape size futures as well. Yeah, but you've also got longer term things in there. We talked about the new rebar contract in the steel markets, but you look at that market there and the rise that we've had, um, and if you want to know more about the steel market that we've seen, especially over the last month, then do listen to last week's podcast where we had uh, Rob Belcher, one of our senior steel derivatives yeah. brokers, talking about that. Yeah, but yeah. We, in that, we highlighted about the cost of steel for shipbuilding. and that, well, very, that's much so. very much so. So, so, look, actually, 
two things that are very much limiting if you're looking in long-term fundamentals now, um, the construction of new vessels. One is that cost of steel having tripled really, um, you know, for, for shipbuilders over the past year. But, you know, another one is actually deep, deep uncertainty about how these vessels are going to be fueled moving forward. And uh, we can deal with this in a separate episode. Uh, you know, we touched on it in our carbon emissions episode. But the fact is that there are so many different proposals for fueling these vessels moving forward that I think it's, uh, it's destroying confidence by ship owners to commission new builds at the moment. Um, given that they're not sure whether they should be looking at engines powered by green ammonia, hydrogen, you know, hell, even nuclear, um, you know, or whether they should go for a scrubber fitted vessel, you know, using, uh, using good old fashioned fuel oil. So, you know, this, this is really one of the questions that's holding back the commissioning of new buildings as well. So looking a couple of years down the line, we are looking at very low fleet growth for the next couple of years, um, which should support a relatively healthy market. Yeah, and you can't just pop out a vessel, you know, the no, no, these things flick of the fingers, you know, two to three years out. So, so, uh, so, you know, again, uh, you know, we're seeing some some signs here that the, the market tightness could continue, uh, provided that uh, that the iron ore price stays high enough, uh, and anywhere near current levels, definitely being high enough uh, to, to, yeah. to facilitate and encourage, you know, further production. And it would be very good to kind of get a highlight of where that diversification of the fuel laws could go. Methane, green ammonia, you mentioned, or continuing on with the 0.5%, or with some sort of form of carbon capture, new scrubber fitted, exactly. uh, filtering the fumes through, a, you know, a calcium block and then drop it into the sea. But yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. we should, yeah um, so many proposals out there right now. So. Well, exactly. With IMO 2030 and yeah. their proposals for 2050 to be net zero, there's huge ramifications for, yeah. for the shipping industry and it's something that we should uh, have for a lot of our listeners and clients to kind of outline and move away the fog of mystique behind a lot of things that are going on but exactly. we have had uh, a roller coaster of a week on our commodities well, we have outlined today and um, I hope that everyone who's been listening listens and listen to next week and then we have all those other episodes steel cobalt uh, other sort of forms so do look at our our long list of, of podcasts if you want to look at some other products. And we, uh, we're we looking forward to uh, an Iron Ore special with our special guest next week. Uh, and obviously, as Kerry mentioned, or kind of picked out of thin air, a brilliant idea to have one <laughs> on the diversification exactly, of fuels. Exactly. Pencil that one into the calendar. Cool. All right. But Thanks Theo, Kerry, thank you very much. And to everyone listening, uh, see you next week. Cheers.